Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. What if this morning you never woke up? What if instead of having your coffee or your Pepto-Bismol, depending on what you did last night, you were in heaven in the presence of God? Once the shock wore off, what would you think about your stuff that you left behind and the people that you left behind also? Would you have any regrets about the way you live 2022 or even before? Is there anything that God prompted you in 2022 that you kept putting off and saying, the timing isn't right, I'll get to that later, or when it's ready, we'll be able to do it? I'm not talking about you know, remodeling your home or maintaining anything. I'm talking about things that God has spoken to you in your spirit. How would you feel about the relationships you left behind? Are they all good? Are there some that you wish you could have one more conversation with? Would you ask God, give me another year to get this done right? Give me another month or at least one more day to make things right the way you wanted me to do from the first place? Well, if you're here today, good news. God granted your wish. And so this time, 2023, is your opportunity to do everything that God's laid on your heart. Randy Alcorn, an author of the book called Heaven, had this quote. He says, five minutes after we die, we will understand that heaven is our home and earth was simply a temporary lodging on the homeward journey. Then we will know for certain what was important and what wasn't. Is what you consider important the same as what God considers important? Here's our big idea for today. We should be all that we can be here on earth so that we can be all that we could be in heaven. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that you've given us another day, a fresh start. You've woken us up this morning, and you did that because you have a mission for us and a plan for us. So I ask that you speak this morning to our hearts, encourage us in the beginning of this new year to run our race, to live the life you've called us so that we can bring glory to you and spend eternity with you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, we get one chance at life, whether it's 20 years, 60, or 100. One, and it's over, and it's a very, very short time. And how we handle that one chance determines how we handle eternity. That's why it's so important, Paul says in Colossians, to make all our choices with eternity in mind, not the way we normally make them. The Apostle James said the same thing in this way. He says, your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, and then it's gone. And Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, said, we all come to the end of our life as naked and empty-handed as the day we were born. You know, when we recognize how short life is, we really make better choices. People think just because you get older, you get wiser. But I think you realize how short life is, and the stuff that bothered you before, it just doesn't matter as much anymore because you're looking for something much greater. And so... Sometimes 
God gives us a wake-up call, no matter what our age is, to get us into that mindset. I want to share a story with you with a friend of mine um, who is an NDEer. Anybody know what an NDEer is? Someone that's had a near-death experience. Okay? So Steve, who I had the privilege of meeting, um, was a past was a pastor, began his church in 1997. It grew. It wasn't long before he had 6,000 members. And Steve was considered the grandfather of what you might have heard called servant evangelism. And so his church was built on that. He had all those responsibilities. He wrote two books regarding servant evangelism, and he was traveling the country helping other churches do random acts of kindness in their community in the hopes of bringing people to Christ. Steve had a gallbladder surgery scheduled, and in the midst of it, in one of the incisions, they hit his aorta and ruptured it and didn't realize it, and he was bleeding out the back, and he eventually flatlined. And Steve tells his story, and it's so common of all near-death experienced people, in surgery is that he felt himself, his spirit hovering up near the ceiling, looking down at what everybody was doing while they were trying to resuscitate him. And when he finally came back, like so many other NDEers, he was able to say who was in the room, what they said, where they were standing, and everything they did to their amazement. But the part about Steve's story is this. In the midst of that, he has a conversation with God. And God says, your wife is praying, saying, we have young children. Please save his life. He goes, I have a question for you, Steve. What are the first and last names of the best friends of your children? And Steve couldn't answer it. And God said, I'm going to send you back, but I want you to understand one thing. If you miss the people I place around you, you have missed the purpose of your existence. Wow. It's not building a 6,000-member church and teaching people how to do random acts of kindness. It's my people. It's being with God's people and loving them. And so for those that have had a near-death experience or a close call of any nature, there's an urgency to life, not a fear of life, but an urgency to become more and more like Christ and to do all the things that he puts in our hearts to do immediately. There's intentionality there, or it never happens. You know, the Apostle Paul was very intentional when he had his experience, his blinding experience with Christ. Every decision he made from that point on was for one purpose. He was called to take the gospel to non-Jewish community. And so every decision he made, including being celibate, was for that purpose. That is devotion and that is intentionality. And he wrote it using these words from 1 Corinthians 9, 24. He talks about a race. He says, don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize, so run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I don't just shadow box. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself 
might be disqualified. Check out this photo here. Our experience in life determines our view of life. For two years, Paul was in house arrest with Herod in the area called Caesarea Maritime. This is on the Mediterranean seacoast. Herod had built a palace, and in the bottom of it was where Paul was under house arrest, as I said, for two years. This has just been uncovered in the last 30 or 40 years they've been unearthing it. And so this is the view from the palace that they believe Paul would have had. And what was going on there is the Hippodrome. There's also a theater there. And this is where athletes trained for the Olympics and the Ismanian Games. Every two years they were held. So for the two years that Paul was there, from sunup to sunrise, he saw world-class athletes training to win in their category. And he watched that every decision they made from what they ate to the exercises they did was focused for receiving a goal, for receiving the wreaths, like you see on the bottom there, an object that's going to fade and pass. And so when Paul's in Rome a few years later and he's under house arrest again, and he's hearing about what's going on in Corinth, another church that he founded, Corinth was a city much like New York City, Miami, Los Angeles. It was the metropolitan area at that time. And so everything that goes on in those cities in the U.S. was going on there. And Christians, believers, were being pulled in opposite directions and were not following their faith as strongly as they should. And so this image is what caused him to write that section of Scripture. And I summarized it this way. So when Paul had to write to the Corinthians in Corinth, this is what he said. Why can't believers work as hard to become like Christ and fulfill their purpose for being here as athletes work to win a medal that will fade? He's painting a word picture for us of individuals totally sold out to a cause they believe in. They live their days to make it happen. You know, he begins that scripture with everyone runs a race. Now, we might think that if we all went outside and ran around the building, only one of us would win. But what Paul's talking about is we each have our own individual race to run, and we can each win that race. It's not you versus me. It's me versus me. <clears throat> so our race is different for each of us. The lane that God has you to run in is determined by your family upbringing, your environment, um, the choices you've made in the past in your life, your experiences, his purpose for you, and also the responsibilities that you have right now. Paul says, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should do. So what does training look like, okay, since we're not athletes? Training is simply making the choices every day that God would have you make. Let me give you an example. You take your car into the mechanic shop. He gives you a bill at the end of the repair, and it's got labor, parts, tax, total. And he says, hey, why don't you just pay me cash and we'll forget the tax part of this? Has that ever happened to you? Okay. Have you ever done that maybe? Okay. See, this is training when we're faced with these type of choices. How about when someone has offended you and they don't even come and say they're sorry? 
Jesus says, forgive them, even if they don't ask for it. Jesus says to be generous to people over and over and over again. And then in Matthew, he talks about gifts of mercy, you know, visiting those that are shut in or in prison, praying for the sick, okay? giving clothing to those that are naked. Um, and he says, when you do this, you're doing it to me, and I will reward you. Those are our trainings. When we learn to do the day-to-day -day things, the small things like that, then when the tough race comes, we will be prepared and we'll be able to do it. Um, your race might be improving your parenting skills. Your race may be being a single parent okay? or taking care of elderly parents or taking care of a special need child. Right? It may be taking care of someone in your neighborhood, building your business, um, it could be a variety of things that God has extended for you. There was a year, no, probably a decade or longer, when my race was trying to get to a new place in my marriage. Okay? And I have a good marriage, but I needed to get to a better place. And so I read God's word and tried to grasp from there. I read secular books about how to be a better husband and have a good marriage. I talked to people that had been married a long time. I sought that type of godly counsel, and I even went to pastoral counseling to figure out how to do it better, okay? And I have to tell you, it took a decade, but it worked. I won that race, and because of that, I'm gonna be married 43 years next month, okay? But because, but, and I say that, thank you. I don't say that, I say that to say what you want to do, what you want in your life, God will get it for you. He will help you receive every good thing for you if you do your part, if you run your race and your will. So where do you need to win this year? Where are you stuck? What is it that's causing you a problem right now? What race has God placed you in at this time? This is the interactive part. There's some index cards on your seat. Take a moment. We're going to give 30 seconds and write down what you need God to accomplish in 2023 for you. Don't be surprised if it's about a relationship. I should have planned for some background worship music during this, but uh, <laughs> Jeopardy. <laughs> Jeopardy music. This is your resolution for God. All right, as we continue, think about what you can do intentionally right now to win the race that God has you in. You know, Jesus showed us how to win races. Okay? Jesus had 
seven routines, and I'm not going to go through all seven, but Jesus had seven routines that he did on a regular basis that caused him to succeed, and he asked us to do the same. And I'm just going to talk to you about the first one. And we've heard this time and time again, but I'm hoping to shed a fresh light on it or at least reinforce the importance of it. And the very first routine that we need to incorporate that Jesus did is to connect with God daily, okay? Think about this. Jesus carved out time to meet with God, his Father, daily, and he knows him better than any of us ever will. But he found the importance of doing that. You know, he did it after he did ministry, after the feeding of the 5,000. It says in Matthew that after sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray, and night fell while he was still there alone. So he gave thanks for what he's done. You know, sometimes if you're like me, you have a really great moment with God, he uses you, he works through you, and then all of a sudden something comes and you're like in the valley again. Maybe you had a great service in here, and you're not even out of the parking lot before you're arguing or upset about something with someone. That is so easy. We need to keep in front of the Lord in prayer. He also did it every morning. It says um, in Mark 1.35, before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went to an isolated place to pray. He gave thanks for what was yet to be done. Okay? Um, something simple we could do every day. Get up in the morning. Before you get out of bed, thank you, Lord, for waking me up. You've got something for me to accomplish today. Help me be alert. Help me be attentive to what it is. And then when we have major decisions to make, Luke 6, 12, Jesus prayed all night before choosing his 12 disciples. And he taught us to do the same all the time. He says, my sheep hear my voice in John 10, 27. And then he continues, no one can snatch them away. See, we need to hear God's voice. If you're like me, all of us know somebody who was on fire for the Lord, and they're not with the Lord right now. They're either not in church or they're not following him at all. I can guarantee you that one of the first things that happened in their life is they lost connection with the Lord on a daily basis because Jesus promised that if you connect with me daily, nothing can snatch you away from me. So man, this is the first rhythm that Jesus had, and it's the one that he wants us to have also. A.W. Tozer said it like this, God is not silent, never has been. It's not, it is the nature of God to speak. So practice hearing his voice. Here's a practice I've been trying to do, and I encourage all of you. You know, we have rote prayers. If someone comes up for healing, for sickness, we say, you know, by his stripes you are healed. If someone comes up with a financial need, we say from Philippians, my God can provide all your needs according to his riches. And those are true, and those are good scriptures to pray. But sometimes we just go to those because we've heard them or because we've said them. And a good practice is when somebody asks for prayer is to be silent for a moment before the Lord and just say, God, what do you have? for so-and-so. What do you want me to share with them? And man, as Tozier said, God loves to speak. He will tell you and speak through you life into someone else. And he will do the same for you for your own needs when you're quiet before the Lord and ask him to do it. Um, 
You know, there are times when it can be hard to connect with God, right? And sometimes we see each other in church and we think we all have it together. But can I tell you, I get up in the morning, I get up early, I have my coffee set up, I have my own chair, I'll put on a little worship music, and I'm ready to go, all right, me and the Lord. And it's like blank. <laughs> Ever happen to anybody out here? Or it's like I got all these other obstacles or things I have to do today that are on my list, and I draw a blank, okay? Well, if that's ever happened to you, maybe your problem was similar to a problem I had. And so I've got a couple solutions for you that have worked for me. One, make sure you're rested. If I'm going on three hours sleep, I have a hard time connecting with God. But two, even more important than that, don't bring your phone to the conversation, okay? Everybody here, we have a tendency to keep our cell phones. I mean, my cell phone's in my pocket right now. Like, who am I going to talk to right now? Okay. Oh, excuse me, guys. I got this text I got to respond to, right? But that's what we do with the Lord, right? We bring our cell phones to it. Everybody I talk to, most people do, and we get sidetracked. Man, if you were interviewing for a job with someone and you took out your phone to respond to a text or check the weather or whatever else we do, you would never get hired, right? So man, just that practical thing. I have found that when I leave my phone in the other room until I'm done with God, I connect a whole lot better. And then the third thing is get real with your prayers with God. It's great to pray for our government. We should. It's great to pray for our missionaries and the world peace. All those things are good. But you know what? If I've got a daughter that's in trouble, and I avoid that prayer to pray for what the church tells me to pray for, I'm not connecting with God. Deal with first things first, okay? Deal with the things that are in your race, the lane that you have to run, and be real with God. I love David. I love reading the Psalms because I swear he's Italian, because he is so emotional when he talks and he prays to God. Here's some of them. In Psalm 25, 1 and 2, he said, Lord, I give my life to you. I trust you. Don't let me be disgraced. What kind of prayer is that? I mean, I love it, you know? And another time he says, my God, where are you? Why have you left me? Have you ever prayed like that? You ever wonder where God is in your midst? It is okay. In fact, it is good to pray that way when that's what's going on in your life at times. I remember when we were first married and, and there were financial difficulties and we needed a car and, and we found that one of our young children had some musical ability and we were trying to buy a used piano and all these things and we just didn't have the money to do it and we had committed to not borrowing any more money. And I remember being in the shower, just yelling at God, saying, where are you, right? I'm doing all this, this, and that. I think I'm doing it right. I need a car, and we need any old piano to start lessons on, right? I just yelled it. And in a short period of time, God provided those needs. Car's long gone, but the piano... It started training a professional musician now, you know? So it is okay to tell God and talk to him the same way you would talk to me or someone else. And then look for God to speak through creation and through other people. We don't need to be sitting in a quiet room all the time, you know? 
Get outside. Some people hear from God when they run, when they walk. I ride a motorcycle. I put my headset on. I listen to uplifting books, okay, on, on tape. I, I listen to worship music, or I'm just watching nature and praying, you know, as I'm riding through there. Uh, Psalms 19, 1 and 4 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky shows his handiwork. So get outside. Don't look for some routine way to do it. Connect with God any way you can. You know, our schedules dictate how we do it each day, but the thing is, just be real with God, the same way you would with each of us. Is there any way you can improve in the way you connect with God? Think about it and make a decision to do that. Connecting with God is just the first of the seven routines, rhythms that Jesus did that he told us to do. If you're interested in the other six, I'm not going to take the time today, but I would encourage you when we start our Winter Connect groups up, there's a group called Rooted that goes over the seven rhythms that Jesus did and encourages us to do. And I would encourage you to sign up. It's going to be an in-person group and an online group. So remember that to get more of this on yours. Another area is prayer and fasting. I mentioned earlier that that begins this wedding, this Wednesday, this wedding. Is somebody getting married? <laughs> Freudian slip there on somebody. Did I, did I announce something for someone? All right. So um, that begins this Wednesday. Connect with God. Connect with other people in a prayer group. Um, I want to conclude. I want you to check out this video. Paul said to train and run your own race to win. In 1959, I figured I had to show a video because most people probably don't, don't even know about this or never saw the movie that are in this room. But in 1959, a movie called Ben-Hur came to the cinema. It was a typical good versus evil. It was an epic drama about an aristocratic Jew living in Judea who incurs the wrath of a childhood friend. And so there's the battle. And the Jewish, the aristocratic Jew, eventually comes to know Christ at the end of the movie. But he's imprisoned. He's treated as a slave. His, his um, aristocratic friend becomes governor. And so their friendship as a child splits. And the governor really harms his family. And so he's dealing, Ben-Hur is dealing with a lot of hatred and anger and wanting to get even. And at the end of the movie, I won't give it to you, but he does meet the Lord. Um, but in it, there's a five minute, and we're only going to watch a minute of it, chariot race that was very familiar to most people. So check out this race. All right, great way to end a church service, right? Hey, Here's the important part. Did you love his race? Did you see all the obstacles that he had to overcome? Running over bodies, running over chariots, and things of that nature. Here's the interesting part of this. Charlton Heston played Ben-Hur. And the director asked him, while they were filming this, to go learn how to run a chariot. He said, because it'll be much more realistic if I use you in this video. So Ben-Hur, ben Charlton Heston, goes out and he learns to run chariots. And they come to the day of the filming and he tells the director, I can run this chariot, but I don't think I could ever win this race. 
And listen to the words of the director back to Charlton Heston. He said, you just run the race and I'll make sure you win. That's how it is with the Lord. And that's what he's asking you and me to do today and in 2023, to run the race that he's given us. It's different for each of us. Some of the races are fun. Some of them are difficult. But whatever it is, he promises that if we do our part, he will come in. And in Colossians, he says, I will give you the inheritance and the rewards and conclude what you began for you. And so I don't know what your race is going to be this year, if you're already in it, if you know what it is. But 2023, just leave today saying, I am going to connect with you daily, God. And I will do everything that you've taught me to do in training and know that you will come through and pull me through this race. So let's pray. Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for giving us another year to draw closer to you and to draw closer to the people that you have placed in our life. For that is the purpose of our existence, you have said. It is nothing else. It's not my career, my accomplishments, my achievements, what I've been able to gain and hold on to. It's the fact that you have called me to be in relationship with other people and to allow that relationship to draw them closer to you. And so I thank you for that and I ask you to help us fulfill that this day. With every eye closed, if you don't have a relationship with God where you connect with him on a daily basis, where he is your inspiration and your guide and your choice, Today is the day to commit your life to him. And so if you would, just repeat after me. Father God, I love you. And I want you to lead me and guide me. I give my life to you. I know that you can do better. And so I promise to follow you. I promise to make the day-to-day choices that honor you. I give my life to you this day. Be with me always. In Jesus' name, amen. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast. Thank you.